the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Hello. Welcome to this episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, co-host, and triple star host, Donnie. Oh, wow. So anyways, I'm going to ignore that. I'm your host, Heather Mosier, uh, and I want to thank our listeners for tuning in today for a very special episode. But before we get to that, I just want to mention, I have to mention, that this show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. Yeah, you should mention that. I should definitely mention that. They pay for the Um, And so with the nonprofit foundation, we also have a detox and two-year aftercare recovery program. The detox is two weeks. It's inside St. Joseph's downtown. We're an abstinence-based faith-based, 12-step-based detox and and recovery program. Uh, I am the spiritual wellness director and recovery support team lead of that aftercare program. Very grateful that I get to do that and get to help other people. If you or a loved one is struggling with substance use disorder, please give us a call at 844-263-4673. And you're listening to us on, if you're in the H-Town on KPRC 950, Sundays at 1 p.m., uh, and then you can catch us on the iHeartRadio app. Just look for Relevant Recovery Radio. Give us a download, if you will. Click follow on iHeart. Click follow, and, and you'll get an email for every new episode that we drop. And you'll regret it for the rest of your life. <laughs> or you'll love it. Oh, maybe. <laughs> uh, we have a special guest in studio today. I have a good friend, Eric Ailes. Did I pronounce your last name right? You did good. Thank okay, you. welcome to the show, Eric. I was like, Ailes, Ailes. I think I've heard you say Ailes, but... Who knows? Uh, but Eric's a good friend she of mine. She was thinking about herself when you were introducing yourself. That was the problem. <laughs> I was thinking about me. Yeah. I'm in a claustrophobic kingdom of one. That's right. We've read books on this. Uh-huh. Uh, so my selfishness and self-centeredness knows no bounds, but I am really, really grateful for a recovery place called Starlight. And Eric happens to be the director of business development for Aren't Starlight. Aren't you alum from there? I'm Starlight alum. Uh-huh. Double alum. One of our best success stories right here. (laughs) Maybe, but it's really like, look what God can do, because I got out of my own way, and Starlight provided me some new tools for a whole new life, and so I'm just super grateful for Starlight and places like that. And we're grateful for you, for all you do. It's pretty cool, because when um, you have a coworker named Bob, I probably can't say his last name, but... Well, I just call him Uncle Bob. Uncle Bob. He'll love that. And I've never actually met him in person, and and I would love to one day. Um, But I was in a detox for the third time in Oklahoma back in 2015, and I knew I needed more than just detox only. And uh, someone gave me his business card, and I gave him a call. He stepped outside to take my phone call from a business lunch and spent time on the phone with me and arranged for me to come to Starlight uh, and fly me out, and everything was covered. And it just completely changed the directory of my life. So I'm grateful to Bob. I'm grateful to Starlight. I'm grateful that he answered his phone. You know, that is awesome. And, you know, the incredible thing is Starlight is now 65 years old. I know. Which means wow. you're part of like 50,000 alumni out there. Yeah. Like there's a lot of alumni. It's super cool. Wow. In fact, one of our previous guests, Brian, he does the alumni coordination and, and aftercare. Brian Brennan was previously on the show uh, talking about Starlight. And he's asked me to be one of the alumni speakers at the 65th reunion at Starlight oh, yeah. in October. So Tell I'm super. Yeah, that'll be great. I'm super excited to talk about what that place has done for me. It's just like. Yeah. And it's nostalgic, but like I get emotional thinking about it because I didn't know a different life was possible for me. I'm a heroin addict, and I really just expected to to die. 
I mean, who knew you would meet me and that I would change your life forever? <laughs> I have no idea. You're so, not my higher power. That's how God works. <laughs> but speaking of God, the other cool thing that Eric does is he is the board president of the Spiritual Care Network. Eric, what is the Spiritual Care Network? Well, the Spiritual Care Network, uh, our mission is to bridge the gap between mental health and faith. Um, but let me kind of back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday, I was listening to the sermon. Uh-huh. It was a great sermon. Uh, the pastor was talking about uh, battles of the mind, yeah. which, oh my gosh, I love that topic. Yeah. And it's great that churches are recognizing mental health a lot mm-hmm. more. Right. In just the last two years with the quarantine, you yeah. know, people are really struggling. And it was a great sermon. You know, he talked about uh, struggles of you know, depression and anxiety yeah. And, you know, trauma, things like that. But what happens when that battle of the mind becomes very serious, when it comes to be an active addiction or pornography that you can't shake or even thoughts of suicide Mm -hmm. or other mental health issues? And you're, you know, at a church, maybe you're a a lay person sitting beside someone, you're a pastor or a group leader. What do you do? How do you help them? Yeah. And that's what it's all about. That's what the Spiritual Care Network does. We bridge that gap to be resources for the community, uh, for churches, for the industry, uh, for mental health industry, um, as therapists and mental health professionals to bring it all together. Uh, And we do that by offering um, group meetings all across Texas and even Tennessee now. How cool. Uh, Yeah, it's really spreading out everywhere. It's it's been a (laughs) real blessing. Uh, so we meet uh, in Houston. We meet a couple times a month in different mm-hmm. p- locations. And then we also offer a monthly uh, webinar uh, for continuing education. Usually these are topics by industry professionals on mental health or addiction. Yeah. Uh, and uh, those I are, love jumping on those because oh, yeah. I can just like it during my lunch break or whatever. You'll usually do them in the afternoon or different hours. And so it's on Zoom or whatever format y'all are using. And I recently went to one that was the about, you know, spirituality or Jesus and toxic relationships. Oh, and when you work in the field, especially too uh, with drug addicts, alcoholics, or even if you're in your church, you're going to come in contact with people that have struggles, <laughs> period. Like it's almost taboo to talk about, especially if you're serving in a church or something, or if you work in treatment, as if they assume you're not going to have any mental health or, or anxiety or depression or personal struggles anymore. Oh, we know that's not right. It's not right. My, my sponsor <laughs> told me years ago, she goes, Heather, don't ever become so recovered that you can't ask for help. Yeah. You know, and it's like, no matter how, you know, deep I am in recovery or how many years I've had sober or how where I work in treatment, it's always good to know that I need to be vulnerable with others. I need to be honest with others. I need to ask for help and, and take spiritual direction from from people that have tools that I might not have. Yeah. And that's true for industry professionals, yes. too. Like we have that caring nature, but sometimes we can get stressed out. And, yeah. and, well, you get drained. Yeah. Oh, I drained, mean, that's yeah. part of the problem, too. We've faced it in the 12-step 12 12 world. It's pouring yeah, out, I mean, pouring out, pouring out. And it's like, oh, yeah, I have to take time to reset and let God pour into me. three to five people at a time. You're hitting meetings. We're also involved in church. we got so much going on. And after a while, you're like, I, I just have nothing left. Yeah. And, and I'm not okay. And I imagine especially like pastors and therapists uh, get there and need help too. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's a good conversation to have. So I'm glad we're having it. Let's take a quick break, guys. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We will be right back.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host. I'm your host, Heather Oh, you're the host now? (laughs) I don't want to be host and co-host and just talk to myself for an hour. Wow. Yeah? Right. All right. That that's so that's that's gonna get everybody depressed, Donnie. We Speaking have, of depression, we have Eric. <laughs> speak, I can't intro him now. You can't do like that. Speaking of, so we have a guest in studio today, Eric, Eric Ailes, Ailes, right? With Starlight and the Spiritual Care Network, and they could look you up uh, the Spiritual Care Network on Facebook too, right? Y'all are on Facebook and other places. Oh yes, we have multiple uh, Facebook groups mm-hmm. from many different cities: uh, Austin, uh, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas. Uh, Tyler, Corpus Christi, even wow. the Mid-South in Memphis. They wow. have a, a great group there in Memphis. I'm on the Houston one, I believe. Yeah, a lot of good resources. It is. Y'all are doing stuff all the time. The, the and thing, I'm like, I wanted to join it all, and I can't join it all. But <laughs> the, the thing that, with what we're talking about with <clears throat> mental health and spirituality, I don't know where the separation happened. And I don't know. Do you think it happened with the separation of church and state? At no. Some, no. No, I think it happened. My own. Now, this is again two idiots on a microphone, right? I'm yeah. just going off Who my own. Who made that mistake? Somebody <laughs> with money. Um, I'm going off of what I assume, and what I assume is this happened sometime in the '80s, maybe with the yeah. the rehab boom and counseling boom. Um, because if you look at the twelve step world, the twelve step fellowship was born. In of a spirit, church. Yeah, in spirituality. It was born in spirit. It was born in the unseen faith. It was born in all of that in the late 30s. Well, actually, sooner Before than then, that, Oxford 34, group. 33, 34, the Oxford group. Washingtonians and the Emmanuel movement before that, it was all based in spirituality. And then at some point, spirituality, even though the, the movement, right, the original 12-step movement that we never mentioned, but you all know what we're talking about, the... It was born of spiritual faith, yeah. but yet it's taboo in the rooms to talk about that. It's taboo in the rooms to talk about the fact that before I got sober, I was on Lexapro. I was on- Don't name the medications, just say you were on medications. Oh, you can't name them? Well, I mean, I just think you shouldn't. It's my show. Oh. <laughs> Should I mention that I snorted them sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely do that, yes. Okay. Um, but I was on an antidepressant, anti-anxiety. I was on ADD. I was on all of these meds. And, and I want to clarify and say that... We're not anti-medication We're at all. not. Mm. We're not. I have friends in the fellowship who absolutely need uh, antidepressant. There is just no doubt. Um, when they're not on it, they have suicidal thoughts. So right, right, right. They're exactly where they need to be. Well, and just, they're sober, but... Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that once I was in the fellowship enough and I started a real spiritual practice, a real spiritual walk, that stuff went away. Right. Yeah. And I don't think it's magic. Right. I, I agree. And and I'd love to get Eric's take on it because my personal experience, I got to speak from my experience. And, and also I've sponsored a lot of girls and I've watched it similar happen to for a lot of girls is even when I was sober, this is before drugs and alcohol, I always felt like I didn't fit in. I always felt like I struggled with depression, severe anxiety. I was the kid in seventh grade that would go puke before going into the school building because I was so nervous. Mm. Like, I was the kid that would have to read a paragraph before taking turns reading in class. I would pre count ahead and pre-read my paragraph so I didn't mess it up when it came to me because I was so socially awkward and 
just not comfortable in my own skin. This is way before drugs and alcohol. And uh, Well, and actually, drugs and alcohol made me much more comfortable. So when I found drugs <laughs> yeah, and true. alcohol, it band-aided that internal struggle and, and helped me check out or helped me not feel so uncomfortable or not so anxious or not so depressed. Even though it was a short-lived, it wasn't an actual solution. It was a temporary band-aid to how I felt internally. And I, I just, I, I struggled for years sober with all of the mental health diagnoses and medications and trying my best yeah. to follow doctor's orders. <clears throat> I, I didn't know. I really felt like I was losing my mind and I was full of self-pity and blaming others and not looking at myself and taking personal responsibility. I just wanted the right diagnosis and the right pill to fix me. Yeah. And early recovery is tough because yeah. people go in, you take out that coping mechanism, mm-hmm. how they're dealing with stuff, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. And then spirituality, you know, takes a little back, back, back road for a little bit. Take some mm-hmm. action to get there. Yes. Usually, when people go to early recovery, they're not very happy. No. 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 Can you agree with that? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Detox is not fun. <laughs> I was offended in Starlight when uh, a tech told me that I wasn't connected to God. You know, I'm, I'm in a rehab, right? And but he, but he was like, you know, honestly, page ninety three talks about it. You don't know how to apply your faith. I'm not saying you don't have faith. But I'm saying maybe you don't know how to apply it. Otherwise, you wouldn't be getting high <laughs> against your will. Right. Well, and what you're saying, too, is in early recovery, you know, the first I think the first year you're so mesmerized that you're not high or drunk, that you're just kind of on the, what they call the pink cloud. Well, I didn't experience too much of a pink cloud. It was it was like I have to do all of this stuff. I felt overwhelmed. I, I wrote yeah. a pink cloud for years because I was just too stupid to see how my life really was. <laughs> right. I wasn't. It, it felt like a lot of hard work and I was like overwhelmed. Um, feeling like I don't have enough resources, feeling like I'm all alone, like all of that emotional bankruptcy kind of stuff definitely came back for me in early sobriety. But I noticed that the more that I took suggestions from others and did some spiritual stuff like praying or meditating or the step work or helping others eventually, sponsoring others, the more that started to clear up. But it was progressive. It wasn't like a light switch that just got flipped on one day. Well, sometimes it is. Sometimes, sometimes it is for people. It's a great awakening when well, they go, aha. Right. And I would <laughs> I say it. I disagree with you. <clears throat> with my experience or you just had a different one? I disagree with the way you perceive your experience. Because really? you had an experience at two I months did. sober. I did. That set you on a path. You, when I met you, you only had, you had less months. than two years, 14, 15 months. Yeah. Um, probably more spiritually connected than I am today. Well, I think for people, so I don't think I had the educational variety that you did. Yeah, I, I think no. I did have multiple burning bush experiences yeah. with God that were immediate and and you and, had a very and early, early and because that's something you know I've talked about is that you sort of use that as a. But my point of you'll what, look at people and be like, I can't believe they're not connected. It's like, bro, but, you're an anomaly. So I was connected to God early on yeah. through the process. But my point was, I I struggled still with crippling social anxiety. Oh yeah, for more than the first year. You were gonna relapse instead of get a chip. I had that thought, Eric. I thought I was so terrified to get my one year chip and speak in front of people that the thought crossed my mind, Heather, if you drink, you don't have to get that chip. That's how scared I was wow. to walk in front of people and talk, which is hilarious because now God's got me talking for a living. Uh, hey, you we, know? Can, we can't shut her up. I mean, <laughs> but I'm just saying that it took a year or so yeah. of that process of me learning how to rely on God or how to apply spiritual principles to that fear. I yeah. would say honestly, three, three and a half. Yeah. And then you started to really change. Okay. And 
and there has been studies showing that, you know, meditation, prayer time, yeah. even the daily gratitude can actually help heal the brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've done the scans showing yeah. that. And that's that's pretty cool. There's I, like scientific value to it. Yeah. Oh, wow. They can prove it just like they can prove the physical allergy now that was just a theory in 39. Oh, they can? Know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can prove it. <laughs> My experience Let's proves it. Let's step across the street. But I'll it, show you. But I think that's the point. Our friend shared something recently about some people will be critical of like spiritual ideas or critical of the 12-step program because they say, oh, it's not science. I like science, right? But the guy explained that what science is, like when you take a theory, it's just an idea, but you try to repeat it over and over Dexter? and over. Yes, I love I Dexter. Him. <laughs> he's, I wasn't going to name so him, but smart. there you go. Okay, no, He'll be fine with it. <laughs> but here's the thing is he said, but look at what the 12-step world or spirituality has proven. They've repeated these miracles over, uh, uh, and, over and over and oh, yeah. over. It's become science. Now it's become fact. It's become proven. Because if we it's just repeatable. Look at it, it's it's repeatable. repeatable. Yeah. Oh, and one of my favorite books is the case for Christ. Yes, uh, Lee Strobel. Uh, Lee Strobel. Changed I got to life. meet him uh, last year. And that you was did. Awesome. Yeah, at a, a big conference where he was speaking. And, and yeah, that is a life-changing book right there. So I, fill our listeners in. Uh, what is the case for Christ about? Who's Lee Strobel? Lee Strobel. He's actually uh, an author. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he resides in the Woodlands area. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah he lives in Houston. I yeah. want to meet him. Yeah, Lee, on, I want to meet you. staff at a church uh, in North Houston. And, yep. and so he wrote a book um, where, um, <coughs> excuse me, he was an atheist. Uh, he was also an investigative journalist. Okay. Mm-hmm. So his wife became a Christian and said, uh, you know, why don't you check in on this? And he said, I'm going to put Jesus on trial. <laughs> I want to see right. evidence. Because he was ready to divorce her over it. He didn't oh, like it really? at all. Oh, she got saved atheist. and he didn't like it. Yeah. And he did. And as he talked to industry experts and archaeologists, and it goes on and on and Proved on. It. He convinced himself. Yeah. And now he wrote this great book that even became a movie. And wow. he wrote A Case for Miracles. Oh, oh that's a, really? That's a powerful one, too. I haven't seen that. Yeah. I have a neighbor that gave me that book when I was starting my walk, my search, right? And he gave me that book, and I still have it. I haven't read it. But it turns <laughs> out there's a movie on Netflix. <laughs> yes. And it changed my life. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We'll be right back. sure when you said if we jump back in, we just start laughing like we were. (laughs) (laughs) I I was just looking at your face and it made me laugh. I wasn't sure if you were going to talk or if I was supposed to talk, but I'm glad our listeners are tuning in to this profound conversation right now. They turned off the radio 30 (laughs) seconds ago. They literally (laughs) drove into a wall. We have my good friend Eric Ailes here talking about the Spiritual Care Network and bridging the gap between mental health and spirituality and different ways that that needs to apply in our society to... Bring about happy, healthy people. And how mental health can look like... Untreated alcoholism. Right. And how a spiritual problem can look like mental health. I mean... Mm -hmm. And so I think it's about... And and just, you know, smaller mental health issues can spiral into bigger issues and addiction issues. Um, If if you don't get the help or tools you need early enough, it can become a much bigger problem, which was my point around my experience with... I always grew up in the church, technically. I grew up in a faith-based family. Pentecostal. Pentecostal. My mom's Pentecostal. <laughs> but you know, my dad was Southern Baptist. He didn't go to church with us, but he talked about and read the Bible a lot to me. And so I struggled with all the, these 
seemingly looking like mental health issues from grade school on through my 20s. Um, And then when I found drugs and alcohol, it changed something in me that I got the relief that I wasn't getting anywhere else. I wasn't getting it from a diagnosis or a medication or church. If I'm feeling Mm -hmm. anxious, a couple of shots of Patron will fix that. Yeah, but temporarily. And if I'm still anxious... Like throw some cocaine out? No. So that's my point, though. Yeah, and it's kind of taboo to talk about in the 12-step world. I don't know about necessarily the mental health world because we're not anti-medication. I'm just trying to share my experience that when I became spiritually fit, my mind and body followed and I no longer had these anxiety or depression issues and I haven't needed to take any medication in recovery. And I say yet. I'm... I may need something later. I'm not yeah. opposed to it. You might. At all. I know your husband. You might. I will, need with something. you. You shave your beard one more time. And you're going full uh, off rails. I'm going to do some cocaine about it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but, uh, Eric, you, you mentioned it earlier that early on in sobriety, it's rough. It is. And I think too many people, you quit drinking for 30, 60, 90 days. And I think too many people give in and run to the doctor and they get on Klonopin, they get on Xanax. I think it's almost like quitting before the miracle happens. Because as far as I see it, God taking away my obsession for alcohol was the easy part. Yeah. Right? For God, that's nothing. But then developing that faith and learning and, and doing that spiritual walk, that's and the real challenge. Yeah. yeah. And how to incorporate you know, prayer time and devotional time and even quiet time. And then to harness the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, how powerful that is. Because mm-hmm. that's what I get so excited with when I get to sit with someone else that wants to talk about something like that. Because <laughs> um, I don't think spirituality is, quote, just another coping skill. I think that del- deletes the supernatural and d- the divinity right out of it. It degrades it. And and I have personal experience that spirit- my spiritual walk and my experiences with God or with the Holy Spirit is much more profound than a coping skill or, or a breathing technique. Like it's oh, altered yeah. me from inside out at a profound level. Ask my family who haven't seen me much in the last five and a half years, but when they get to know me now, they're like, I don't know this Heather. They She's literally not- said that. Because wow. she was different for yeah. 34 years. And, and I know... I really feel like I'm not the same person. Your sister I'm, Tanya just came to visit, yeah. and she could. She just kept saying it, like I She's don't know you. She's a different person. Yeah, yeah. that's but awesome. I was just. Um, well, it's not her. It's, it's not God. Her. It's, it's definitely God because I know her. So, <laughs> it's... <laughs> but that's my point. I couldn't have self-willed. Yeah, th- the this change. change out of just a desire or a coping skill. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you mentioned something earlier that you grew up in the church, yeah. and then. You know, a lot of people feel that way when they grow up in the church and they're having struggles and then the shame and the guilt comes yeah. in. And that's mm. a, a big thing that needs to be addressed in early recovery so. as well because, yeah, you feel like you've uh, let down God. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of shame and guilt that comes along with newly sober people and especially as you're trying to work the steps, if that's the program that you're doing or just counseling or that you're facing some things that you've done either when you were not sober or long before even drugs or alcohol, you're having to face these things. And I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to make amends for some of these things and try to set right the wrong. But it's like the new life that I get to live today is really the the reward, you know, and the amends of showing up differently and being the daughter my parents deserve or the sister my sister deserves or the employee my bosses deserve. Like, I was so obsessed with myself, I couldn't see other people or what they deserved. It wasn't that I didn't care about you, I just didn't know you existed. Uh, I was just very self-absorbed. 
But something you were talking about earlier, um, how do you? How can you tell if somebody has a spiritual problem or a mental health problem? I mean, are they even figuring this out yet to try and, is there a scale? Is there, what's your experience in that? Well, that's a tough one. You know, <laughs> right? Everybody has their own uh, journeys. Right. And uh, <clears throat> and at Starlight, we recognize that. And we do offer a Christian program right. with Christian programming. Oh, I did that. that there, the journey. The journey program, Yeah, I yes. did that. But we also offer smart recovery. Yeah. And the 12 steps. Yep. And we even have uh, a program geared toward people in the military because mm-hmm. that's a whole different culture right there. Yeah. So whatever your jam is, you can get into it there. You can yeah. do it. Yeah. And the cool thing is. You could do a little bit of all of them if right. you really wanted to. Yeah. I would go to Journey, and then I would do Freedom sometimes with my friends. I, I would just dabble in both. But at the Journey program, they did the whole I Am Second sort of videos. Remember the oh, I Am Second? Oh, that's cool, yeah. Um, it was just yeah. very Christ-centered, and that's what, that was my introduction to some of that because I honestly didn't know what I was missing until I had an experience with God around this. But it just took some discipline on me being willing to pray, me being willing to meditate, me being willing— to, to f- take some suggestions from some people. And so I want to be an instrument of God that gets these sort of tools and this sort of information in front of people because I think that in the 12-step world, it's taboo to talk, to quote page 64, when the spiritual maladies overcome, our mind and body follow. But that's oh, yeah. exactly what happened to me. Wow. And I'm not an anti-medication or man- anti-psychiatry to even say that. I'm pro that. You know, I'm just saying sometimes I think untreated alcoholism or untreated addiction uh, mirror mental health issues and that if we don't try some things in tandem or at least treat the spirituality stuff first then we won't ever really know which is the egg or the chicken you know what I mean yeah to fill the hole in the soul they say yep. right with, yep. with spirituality and the other thing too is that there was a journey associated with that so before I got sober I was an atheist and I mean a militant argue with you the second I heard you of being a Christian atheist that's why I love the case for Christ story because yes. that was you that was, that was me I was Lee wow. Strobel yes yeah. and uh, without the real investigation I just wanted to attack right you just wanted to argue <laughs> Noah's Ark and the logistics let's talk about <laughs> logistics no. um, but the thing is that Four and a half years into my sobriety, and I've talked about it on the show, when I got into some real shady behavior. In sobriety. In sobriety. Um, I had been praying to, you know, now that I'm a Christian, I say the word and I think of the, but I mean the word, literally, G-O-D. I had been praying to this mystical. You were praying to the word God, but it wasn't a tangible being it of wasn't any sort. It was a God of an understanding or, or some. Just or, a word. It was just a word, right? Yeah. And here's what I'm, here's the impact of it. Um, we all sort of have an idea there's aliens, right? There's what? people. People think there's aliens, right? What? People are Eric, convinced. Do you, wait, do you think I, there's aliens? I think I saw a past one coming here today. <laughs> people are convinced there's aliens, right? But if you actually saw one, yeah, you'd flip out, right? People would well, panic. Eric, if Eric they, didn't he pass one coming in? And so here's <laughs> what I'm saying: is that when aliens. I was worshiping just the the word, when I just said God, because I wasn't a Christian, I wasn't going to say Jesus, I wasn't. But I also wasn't a Buddhist, a Hindu. I wasn't anything. There was no fundamental belief behind the idea. So it was just an idea. There was no power behind it. Yeah. But I got into a place in sobriety where I was desperate again, yeah. like I was when I got sober. And I had to find something. And that was when God started sending me people. He sent me the guy that gave me the case for Christ. He sent me an old... Which you didn't read? I didn't know you didn't read it. You watched the movie, I watched though. the movie. The oh. movie's always better than the book. Because <laughs> it's less effort for me. 
but he sent me a retired army guy. He's, so he sent me all these people to start preaching the word to me without me even knowing it. Um, and so what's happened for me in our book, our literature talks about it, is that people of faith have a fundamental idea of what life's about. And yeah. what got easier for me is that I wasn't just praying to the air to this idea. I was praying something or I am praying to something now that I have a fundamental idea behind it. Yeah. Like there's something there's tangible to me. Right. And I think that makes a difference. I think that. Oh, yeah. How many people do we know in sobriety who are sober for years and crazy as a loon? <laughs> well, well, I think predominantly we see people struggle that don't have a real identity in God or Christ or who. Because for me, when I go back to my anxiety and depression years and, and relate that, what really changed that was investigating who does God say I am. And I tried to find a new identity according to who God says I am, not who I say I am. Because uh, my counselor at Starlight asked me that question. She's like, who is Heather? And so I was like, well, she's a mom or she's a wife or she likes rock and roll music. She loves tattoos. And she goes, no, 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 no. Strip all of that away. Who are you? And I couldn't answer the question because I didn't know. Wow. And so I went on a journey of investigating who God says I am. And uh, I got rewritten. I have, I have esteem. I have confidence. I have value today that's not based on humans. And it's not counterfeit. It's not counterfeit. It's Don't go real. anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We will be right back. Recovery Radio, Donnie Mosier. Heather Mosier, Eric Ailes, hi, our good friend. Talking about Starlight. Talking about God. And you know what? We're talking about bridging the gap between mental health and spiritual condition, I think, is really what we're talking about, right, Eric? Exactly, yes. And and we're talking about how um, spiritual condition can mirror mental health and the other way. Yeah. And and how there's not I, not I don't think there's always a clear delineation to be able to say this is this and this is that. I think at times it's a mix. We've watched that with COVID and with the lockdowns and the craziness that we've experienced these last couple of years of, mm-hmm. of the isolation that I think has caused more damage to our society, mental health uh, wise, well, than the virus design. itself. I think that was by yeah. design. Separate people from church and watch the but world burn. But have you seen that working in treatment and working with spiritual mental health people that there's there's been an uptick in isolation and depression and suicidal oh, ideation huge. all that. Yes. In the last two years. Uh, yeah. Uh, so many people that are struggling because of that quarantine. And even our churches have changed the yeah. way we worship, you know, with the it's very convenient to go to online church. Isn't yeah. it? Oh, my God. How do you feel about that? Honestly? Yeah, no, I get lazy sometime, and it's kind of <laughs> nice to fix my breakfast and listen to a good old sermon. All right, but, then I won't tell you how I feel. But <laughs> on the other hand, there is the power that go when you're going to church, when you're and you there. feel that Holy Spirit yeah. and praise music's going, and it's just because the way because I think it. that is convenient. I'm glad that people that can't leave their homes or don't have transportation right. have it's access benefit to this stuff. That, yeah. But on the flip side. I can be self-centered and lazy and and lack the discipline to take the action to get to church. And it really sets the stage for me to not be connected to God due to my own self-centered behavior. It's true. She can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's also changed the way we do therapy, too. You know, we have virtual outpatient groups. Yeah, for a year. Yeah, we did it. How was that? We hated it, but well, it was sufficient. You would see the top. It would look like Wilson looking over the fence because yeah, he didn't well, know where his camera was. Well, you know, you could only see his eyeballs and up. He didn't know. He was, was old weird. guy. Um, but he, 
but I'm grateful that it was there, right? I'm grateful that it didn't end abruptly and we continued it. Um, but I think that even with our 12-step world, we did that on Zoom uh, for a while. I'm just grateful to be around people and touch people and hug people and, and be you know physically with people again. But even that, let's talk about that for one second. It's exactly what we're talking about is being able to talk about what's really going on. At the time, you and I are in four meetings a week. We're sponsoring six, seven people at a time each, yeah. right? Um, and we were about to kill each other. <laughs> we were. And so you would say, well, what's, you know, we didn't want to talk about it because here we are, we're in this fellowship and we're doing everything we're supposed to do. Yeah. But we had a problem that only counseling could fix. Right. It was, it was a communications issue. We threw a box of cookies. And uh, <laughs> you rolled your eyes at me. Yeah, because I rolled my eyes. Was it devil stuff? <laughs> yeah. Was, I mean, all Listen, the men out there are like, she what? She rolled her I, eyes at you? I was like, really? We're talking about your feelings? Oh, my gosh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's the thing is that we were going through some trouble, and I will never forget it. I had some friends, Matt and Lauren, and I'm, I'm just talking. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of in. We're on our third marriage. Each. Each. We want this to work out. Yeah. And I was a little worried about it. And they started laughing. And she was she like, yeah, therapy. a year ago, I extended my knee and had to put it in a thing because I lunged at him. Yeah. She, she goes, you can be doing all the things you're doing and have some issues. Go see the right person. Yeah. And they actually turned us on to our counselor. And he ended up being great. And then also... Um in, I guess it was 2020, uh, my old boss from my previous employer, he had uh, killed himself, you know, mm. and, and they put us all in therapy after that. And I was very resistant to therapy, and <laughs> to say the least, I had never done it before. She this was, was anti-therapy, counseling, you name but it. But what I want to say is how God intervened and set the stage for, I ended up loving this woman and having such a fantastic and honest and vulnerable experience in our conversations, and, and she really helped me. And so because of that positive experience I had, that, was, that made me open to doing couples counseling with him when I needed it. Yeah. And so I just think, I want our listeners and people struggling to know that you're not alone. Like, everybody struggles at different phases of their life with different things yeah and and we want to be able to be vulnerable as humans and talk about it and put resources in front of people and just try stuff until we find what works yeah and so which is harder getting sober or marriage <laughs> right marriage for sure oh he had to think i don't know about let me do one. some cocaine about it i'll tell you later <laughs> i i think marriage for sure um, I feel like I accidentally got sober sometimes. Like, oops, you just slipped and you got well, sober. Well, it just it just felt like people just kept telling me what to do, and I finally listened and was doing it. And but I couldn't figure out why it was going to work. I didn't expect to stay sober. Yeah. But God, it's God, a challenging God question. A I'll get back to you in a, a year or so. <laughs> We've only been married a couple years. I didn't mean to stir that up. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, actually, our marriage is pretty easy. We went through a little rough patch, but it's pretty yeah, easy. Yeah, because it turns out what the tools that we needed was better communication styles. And so this therapist broke down communication styles and different yeah. tools, like the request well, game. And we found a good church. We aligned our compass, both of us, to Jesus. We're walking the same path at the same time. That is so important. And I think that that's what's really beautiful, is. because um, our other marriages, plural, had no God, had in, no them. God in them. Yeah. And so I really feel blessed and lucky to get to do the 12-step world and the Christian world with you, my life partner, and I really feel like we're going towards God together in the same direction. That's why mm -hmm. it's working so well. 
Um, but, you know, we have a rule and one's allowed to be crazy at a time. You know? And it's generally me. <laughs> it's generally Donnie. <laughs> He's very extra. Well, it's amazing when you put God first in sobriety mm-hmm. and in marriage and maybe parenting and other things in your yeah. life. And uh, in the work. workplace. Oh, my yep. gosh. Yeah. Yes. What kind of employee am I? You know, how do I show up in these ways and is God cool with it? And so what I would challenge people to do is before you run out to a therapist, before you, if you're in the 12-step world, First of all, work all 12 steps right. to the best of your ability. Do which, that first. Which means 12 steps is, is sponsoring other people. That's right. If you haven't and, sponsored other people, you haven't done step 12. And focus on that for a bit and really put everything. Don't check a box. Like really get into this. Really do it. Seek God in it. Mm-hmm. When it comes to God for you, seek something that has meaning. Our, our, some of our best friends are Buddhist. Yeah. But there is a fundamental idea. There's something they can really get behind. There's something that has meaning. Because I think it doesn't matter, in my experience with people walking a spiritual way of life, the, the religion that they attach the label to don't necessarily matter. It's all the same ideas. Someone in Buddhist might say they believe in karma. Well, the Christian will say, I believe I reap what I sow. Same idea. Right. right. Same power, right. same idea. Um, I just think that it, it all leads us to the same path of stability, happiness, and usefulness. And it's not going in like you saw it when I was a new Christian. I just wanted to memorize the Bible, so I sounded smart. But I wasn't <laughs> putting any of it into application. Yeah. So dig. Get into something and put it into application. And really, this spiritual realm is not a theory. Yeah. We do have, have to, to live, live it. it. And, and once you live it for a while and you get the experience... Man, some things really start to change. But I think it's never ending, Eric. I always make a joke about something I call spiritual (laughs) whack-a-mole. And so it's like, cool, like God and I had this whack-a-mole game where like heroin and and drugs popped up and alcohol and me and God whacked that down. But then later, like maybe it's like sex conduct pops up and me and God got to deal with it. And then it's money or finances or jobs. OCD. Yeah, you're OCD. Perfectionism. No. Um, but I just want to get the tools Nazi. in front of people. So will you please take a second to tell us, like, how can they contact Starlight, website, phone number, and the Spiritual Care Network? Because whether our listeners have a substance use disorder or not, they're invited to Go Spiritual Care. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Starlight Recovery Center, uh, we are located outside of San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we work with a lot of other treatment programs. Matthew's Hope is uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, we work with we y'all work quite together. a bit, and and so sometimes we have different levels of care. We all take different insurance plans. Yeah, you know, and special programs. You know, we have a program that's a Christian track. We also have a military program, and we have another program for the LGBT community. Yeah. So, um, you know, we all it. have our different niches, mm-hmm. and that's one thing that's awesome about the Spiritual Care Network is to bring all that together. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Starlight Recovery Center. Uh, the website is starlightrecovery.com. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in, if you're a mental health professional or a faith leader or just interested in more information about the Spiritual Care Network, uh, it's spiritualcarenet.org. Mm-hmm. A great website, Facebook pages, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Uh, we're offering our monthly um, educational webinar. Very cool. And this next month is going to be good. It's How to Find the Right Rehab. Ooh, Ooh, love it. Nice. I'm going to jump but on that one. an intervention is called Walt, Walter Wolf. Okay, Some cool. of these rehabs yeah. are so nice, I'm thinking about relapsing for just a 30-day vacation. I emailed Walter Wolf. I need to call him back. Oh, yeah. But anyways, uh, he thank He might you. be a good guest on your show. I think, I think. so. Yeah. Okay, okay Heather, so. choke it out. All right. Thank you guys for listening. If you uh, need any information about Matthew's Hope, please give us a call, 844-263-4673, or visit our website, matthewshope.org. Thank you, guys. See you next week. And remember, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Hashtag God, though. Thank you, Heather and Donnie.